We want to talk about faith. We want to talk about um, politics. We want to talk about race. We want to talk about pop culture. Literally, everything, 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 everything is up for discussion, and that's what French culture is about. About, about, about. Well, you guys, Randall has tried to get me to convert to um, faith. I'm still struggling with it. I just, you know, some kind of way somebody led me to the cross. And, you know, sometimes I just try to turn away from it, just temporarily, though. I just when it has me doing stuff that I don't really want to do, I just, you know, it's like uh, let's back up a little bit. Just give me let's take baby steps. You ever feel like you you, you want to take baby steps to like recovery and then some kind of way you God, find yourself getting you pushed. Up. Yeah, you be thrust into it. And it's like, golly, like I just let me hate. Let me be petty just for a little while longer. Like. <laughs> I just want to be real petty. I want to say some stuff and laugh and point and pick on people. And, and I don't want to be petty. I just like certain people are dead to me. Yeah. So, and then, hey, I'm trying to, but God be trying to revive them. I'm trying to be better. Just bringing them back from the dead. I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> just be dead. Just be gone. <laughs> Get out of my face. No, but we're trying to be better people here at Brunch Culture. We are trying to be better people. And you know what's funny is I feel like we go back and forth, which is so weird. I feel like in a moment where you'll be doing real good, I'll be struggling with something. And it's like, God. And then the tables are turned and like something will happen. And I'll be like, oh, I got a praise report. And then you'll be like, look, I'm over it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like we just. That's how we balance each other out. Everybody can't be. Just put I a bunch of both. yeah. Just put a bunch of bad and petty people. This is why I hang around all the rough people. Give me some roughnecks that we can all just be bad together. Bad and petty. Yeah, that's another song. French culture is bad and petty. <laughs> <laughs> Riding around in a Chevy. French culture is bad and petty. I'm better tomorrow. I'm gonna pray. I'll be better. Prayer does it. Well, you know, pray for me too. Um, and pray for this uh, this this OJ and mimosas that we about to get into. What we got to talk about today? Uh, Bill O'Reilly and Maxine Waters. He had the nerve to pick on her wig. And I feel like it's certain people. You know how I say it's certain people you shouldn't come for. Exactly. I feel like Maxine Waters is one of those people. You just don't do it. You let her go. You don't. You let Maxine Waters, especially if you're a conservative, you really just be like, you know what? We're going to talk around her all together. We not let her say what she want to say. She can call me a talking head. She can say I'm I'm not credible. I'm just let it go. I don't want to. That's that's some that's somebody that I don't want to deal with at all. I don't want it. You don't want them kind of problems. Yeah, and uh, she said I'm a strong black woman. Listen, she's like I'm not with that. You don't even know who you're messing with. But I feel like. Bill O'Reilly and Sean Spicer this week because that's why we had to have the hashtag um, black women at work because of him telling um, the correspondent not to shake their head. The black woman. Yeah, it was. I watched. Did you watch the video? Mm hmm. So I watched the video and it was so. It's obvious that he was uncomfortable. It's obvious that he just was trying to not. 
I really get annoyed how they, in this climate, find ways to twist the truth with not even like what they are purporting is the truth. And so it was like everything that the reporter was saying was like factual. Was like she's asking questions like what what's going to happen with this being out there? With this narrative being out there? What are you going to do with this being out there? What are you going to do? And he's like, oh, are you going to let this president, this president, he, he does something good and you don't report on that. You're only reporting on the slow, bad stuff. Though? And it's does like, he seem, I can't remember the last ones, but is he worse? Like, I just don't remember people being this unhinged. No, he is absolutely like just bad and i think that he's bad though i think he is that and i'll give him some credit like i think he's so bad because he's not dealing with something that is good like he's not representing a white house that is yeah bringing out like good and positive things that everybody can agree upon it's like everything is controversial everything that happens is controversial and like one could say that, hey, you know, the media sensationalizes stuff and, uh, you know, that's debatable. But I feel like there's nothing that is hardcore that is coming out that seems to really be trying to help the average American. Everything seems to be looking to help a special group or somebody that a special group of people that have a certain amount of money or, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not mm-hmm. nothing that is. So it's kind of like he's not dealing with a bunch of like good apples that you can try to sell. It's like everything. Yeah, it's like is, Donald Trump just give him so much and he's just looking like, how can I even I filter this? Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> you know what? Let's just, let's just be mad. <laughs> if I just be mad, then they can talk about me being mad and they won't talk about how I can't really answer any of these questions. Yeah. And I, it, it's, he's like unhinged. He doesn't, it's like, he's easily frustrated and I'm sure he goes through a lot. Just, with uh, our 45, I still have trouble. I have, you know, I have not called him president yet. You haven't? I call him 45. Like, I don't. So many people say I that. I forgot. I can't. It's like, I can't formulate. It's like, it's still not real to me. And it's months has gone by. Yeah. For me to accept this reality. And I still have not. You sound like our girl, Angela Rye. Angela <laughs> Rye is on that. And I, I you know, I, I, I try to be, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a diplomatic person. And I always want to. I want to respect the office because in my, in my voice, and I remember saying this to a friend of mine, I was like, you know, people that didn't want to call president Obama, president Obama, I like completely took issue with them. Like I was just like, no, 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 no. So I feel like in this same regard, like now, although, you know, I disagree with a lot of things. I got to be like, okay, you know what? President Donald Trump, like he is the president in the same way that they didn't want to respect President Obama, which, you know, was for for completely different reasons. Like and we know the basis of why, like it was very, very different. And we know that there's proof and evidence behind it. So I know. But I'm like, I still got to do it. But, you know, I rock. You know, I respect people that say, hey, I ain't got time for it. We're Americans. We have freedom of speech. (laughs) You can feel the way you want to feel and you got an opinion. And if you want to reject it. I don't think it's a problem. Yeah, I I used to want to go to the White House and visit when I come to D.C. And now it's just like, yeah, nobody wants to go. Um, <laughs> yeah, nobody. I'll go. Well, I mean, you could go on the weekends because he in Mar-a-Lago anyway. Yeah, it don't matter. Still, even then, I don't think I don't know nobody that wants to go. <laughs> I mean, That's so I've asked, yeah, just out of like, you know, sheer just kind of being funny. I was like, hey, you want to go to visit the White House while you come? No, nah, I'm good. No, 
like my best friend was here this past weekend and um i took her to the national museum of african-american history and culture right Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't realize that it was by the White House, and she was like, "Wait, we gotta pass the White House. It's not like a back way to go." And I was like, "No matter where we go, we're gonna be in like you know the White House area. Like we ain't gotta go to the White House, but we gonna still be in that area." Like she was definitely like, "Yeah, I ain't trying to. Right, I'm good. Miss me with that." Maybe he'll do something big in this thing, and it'll turn it around, and we'll view him differently. You know, I just. I just hope my prayer is that everybody's okay. That's it. I feel like at this point, I just want everybody to make it out alive. I don't want there to be no crazy stuff that like, you know, just completely takes us backwards. Like there's a lot of things that are being done. A lot of policies that are being passed that are taking us backwards, but I don't, you know, I just don't want to, I just want everybody to be okay. If we can just make it out alive in 2018, if you are listening, please get out and vote in the midterm elections in 2018. You know, your vote matters. Please don't be a person that thinks that uh, you not voting doesn't do anything. You don't have a vote. It doesn't matter. Like if you're one of those people, obviously, again, I say this all the time, people wouldn't be trying to take your vote away if it didn't matter. If it meant absolutely nothing, there would be no need to try to redistrict, restructure, draw new maps, move people in different places, you know, go to certain groups and 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 sit down and talk to them and, you know, offer them this for that like none of this stuff would exist if your vote didn't matter so please yeah. please please make sure you get out and vote please oh please, please. vote please vote rock to vote so we gotta i guess move on from this oh i wish we can move on like impeach him maxine what does that so go <laughs> i don't know if she really i saw a meme that said she was like get ready for impeachment but i don't know she if that really, really did her. say that Wait, on really, um she said that like that she said that on I think it MSNBC or CNN mm. she was like her goal is to, for him to be impeached <laughs> like she's that's in her folk that's that's what's before her in her mind Maxine Waters I'm telling you you just gotta you can't you can't mess with Maxine Waters reminds me of like everybody's like that one auntie that you have or your grandma that you just know you just don't mess with her very nice lady, sweet lady. You know, it's probably cool and down and can joke and got your back. But, you know, if you cross that certain line, like, she not going for it. And you just, that's that's who Maxine Waters is. Just back off. Just don't even, if I was a conservative, if I was Bill O'Reilly, I would have just been like, you know what? I'm just going to let it go. I ain't going to say nothing. But to that point though it really really pissed me off when i heard it i was so disgusted i actually rolled over and like i was asleep and i woke up and i saw it and um it really pissed me off because i hate when people do this to women in general like if you disagree with something that somebody said a point that they're making if you're having an intellectual conversation i actually had a situation like this that really frustrated me here recently if we're having a conversation or a debate or a discussion about something that's on an intellectual basis, please don't bring in things that have nothing to do with like intellect. Don't like try to discredit somebody by saying that, oh, well, their hair looks like James Brown or like trying to say, oh, well, you're sensitive and stuff like that is just like 
you kind of show your ignorance. Like if you can't actually engage in debate or talk to talk to me or talk to a person about a person on an intellectual level, you show your ignorance, you show your stupidity. And it's why you nobody can really or even cares to engage or even pay attention to your point of view, because it's like you can't maintain a certain level of intelligent conversation without getting to the point of now you got to throw like cheap jabs at somebody. And I guess that helps you feel like you're, you're gaining some ground or some footing in the argument. Like you don't, you kind of sound real stupid and like immature and childish. I really don't like it. That really, that really, really frustrates me when it comes to debate. It's like, if we're going to debate about something, let's just talk about like the issues at hand. Don't be like, Oh, well, you know, you stupid or, you know, let me just try to dismiss your point of view altogether. Like, why are we even engaging in discussion? Which is, again, why I don't watch Fox News. I thought that was your favorite spot. Get out of here. That's you, <laughs> uh, former Republican. <laughs> you know, one of my friends was there uh, this week uh, doing some taping. And he was being interviewed just on the major news outlets. So he had to go to Fox CNN, LinkedIn, and just different things just for a series of tapings that's going to be coming up. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Lisa, like, what we see on TV with Fox News, that's how... He was like, they're so arrogant. And it's ridiculous. Yeah, I can imagine. I really can't imagine. Like, if you look at these clips and the things that are being said, it's just... It's it's actually sad that people are allowed to say those things. Like, the the whole comment about Maxine Waters that Bill O'Reilly said, like, and not to keep going back to this because I know we're moving forward, but like the fact that anybody could sit there and even a woman could sit there and she tried to like you know playfully defend her, but the fact that you can sit there and allow that to happen, whether she was a black woman or a white woman or whoever, somebody attacking a woman personally when the conversation is about her policy ideas or her thoughts or her positions or you know even her political views like that's what the conversation is about for you to go to attack her image and people laugh about it and think it's funny or think it's acceptable like that's that's bs and it shouldn't be allowed like but if 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 another person were to do that on that network or any other network and it was something that, you know, the powers that be behind that network disagreed, I'm quite sure they would be out of a job. But in this case, it gets more talking points, it gets more views, more clickbait, and they're like, Hey, let's keep doing stuff like this. It's unfortunate. Your 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 movie came out this week. Go, go, Power Rangers. Well, not this week, last week. Last week. Came out on Friday. I actually saw it on Thursday, and I saw it Tuesday night, too. Oh, okay. I'm not going to yeah. judge for frequency. Yeah, so I saw it twice. Um, it was definitely a lot better the second time around. Uh, what was wrong with the first time around? It wasn't, it wasn't anything wrong with it. It was more so of, like, I was ready for them to morph. And without giving <laughs> the movie away, you know, that took some time. And that's what I was waiting on. I'm, you know, I went back to like 96 when the first movie came out and I was real, real ready to come out of 95 or 96. One of them, maybe it was 95, I think it was. But I was super ready to watch them morph, right? And so they gave you like a piece of them morphing early in the movie. Then they had to go through some stuff before they morphed again. I was fine mm -hmm. with that. This movie, we were waiting for them to morph, like... And a lot of stuff kept happening. It's like, okay, so when they go morph, that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, but it was good. There was a lot of things that I wanted to see that they changed. And I get that they're trying to adapt it to, like, 
today's culture and they had a lot of like you know social things in there all the things that like i understand you know you have to make movies that are relevant today so it's not going to be the same exact power rangers that i grew up watching but you know overall i was satisfied with it i think it's a good film and i look forward to seeing them make some more and uh seeing how they, they the story carries out in like 2017 or the 2000s version because I loved, loved, loved. I didn't even realize how much I love. Well, I realized how much I love Power Rangers. I just didn't realize how much people knew I love Power Rangers until I did like the Snapchat filter and I kept getting text messages like, I know you're going to see it. I know you're going to see it. Oh, you still love Power Rangers. My aunt was like, do you remember breaking my table trying to be a Power Ranger? I'm like, crap. (laughs) Like I didn't realize how bad this ran, but it was pretty bad. I was a Power Ranger geek. It's morphing time. It's morphing time. I was I was actually a geek for a lot of stuff, but that's a that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I used to like Power Rangers because that used to come on Saturday mornings. It used to come on after school too. Oh yeah, I didn't watch it after school. I just saw it Saturday. You know, Saturday when Boy Meets World and all those shows used to come on. Yeah, I didn't like Boy Meets World, but I oh, loved Power Rangers. Loved like Power Cursing. Rangers. <laughs> she says like Cursing. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. Yikes. Let's just move on. I got to regroup. So the disappointment, well, the the excitement, but the here disappointment for me is the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air cast had a reunion moment um, a couple days ago on Twitter, on Instagram. I think Will Smith posted it and... um, What's Carlton's real name? Crap. Is it Alfonso? Uh, Alfonso Rivera? Rivera, right? There. Um, we, it's Alfonso. Rivera. Yeah. Carlton <laughs> posted a picture. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, So I really, 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 really like and appreciate the original Ivy. I just, I love her wit. I love the sternness that she has or had her character had. I don't know if they re, I think the writers kind of rewrote it because just to see the lines that the, the revamped version had, like they weren't the same. I don't even, I don't, I don't think it was just, um, you know, the original aunt Viv's her her the way that she would execute the line i think it was even the script in itself but she was you know she was a force to be reckoned with she was stern she was funny you know she can do things like get into the dance class and show the girls up and then fall out it was like she was all around she was the total package and she to me reminded me of like the strong women that were in my life right like they were like take no nonsense type women um i didn't really get that feeling from the new Aunt Viv, but the one thing that I wish is that uh, Aunt Viv would just let it go. Like, I don't know what happened. Uh, I don't know what Will Smith did to Janet Hewitt. I don't know. And I mean, whatever it was, I mean, unless he like murdered somebody. And even then, I feel like at some point in time, you know, we got to just be like, I'm just not going to comment on him at all. I'm just not going to deal with it. But every time something comes out about Will Smith or Fresh Prince or something, she some kind of way finds herself in the news and the media going off on them. And it's like, I don't think nobody can. Like, we all love you. We want you to be great. But you got to let it go, lady. Like, Petty, Betty. It just, 
you got to let it go. And she was saying, like, Alfonso Rivera is like a media whore, and that's the reason that he posted a picture or something like that. But then in her response, she started saying that she'll get called for interviews so she can promote her memoir. And it's like, well, but your actions, that your actions say that you're the media whore. Like, the fact that you weren't included in the picture, you weren't a part of this moment at all, which, you know, it'll be it'll been great to see you be a part of it, but you weren't a part of it. But the fact that you're not a part of it, but you're, you're talking about the people that are in it and you're talking about the moment and trying to discredit the moment. And then in the same sentence, in the same breath, you're also promoting your memoir that you said you're still working on sounds like you're looking for media attention like it just you know i don't really i don't know but i just think that that's what you're doing hopefully she'll get healed because i feel like she's been in a dark place for a long time with this because fresh prince been over for about 20 years and she's been off that long before it was out i just a 30-year grudge again i don't know what was done i don't know but whatever it is we got to let it all the way go. <laughs> we just gotta, you know, just put it up. Just chuck the deuces at it. Be like, you know what? I'm I'm not gonna deal with it no more. Let it go. Let it go. So, Aunt Vail, we hope that you get healed in twenty before twenty seventeen is out. Please get healed. Play. <laughs> well, we're gonna be back with our main dish. All right, now we're back with our main dish. And today we want to talk about faith and whiteness, particularly particularly how whiteness has somehow seemed to hijack faith, in particular Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, this was made evident to me um, just over just over years of examining different things. Mm-hmm. Um, the artistic component of the pictures of white Jesus um the um the kind of perpetual perpetuation of a white norm being pushed by conservative evangelicalism and trying to push that on minorities to say this is how this is the standard of morality and you need to come up to our standard um kind of perpetuates this narrative that whiteness and morality are synonymous and the norm that all people need to come up to have you seen that absolutely and that is uh so that's that's been one of the the gripes that i've had um with a lot of things and just in in this space of time in my life um one of the things that i've realized and i noticed really once i removed myself from a very conservative environment in, in florida and i came here and, you know, moved to D.C. and came through, you know, this whole time and experienced some things. And what I started to realize is that people start to associate or people have been associating, you know, cultural norms with uh, faith and that being the right way to walk on a certain path or in our in, in my sense. And I'm a Christian, so I can speak from, you know, the Christian sense. Um, and I'm sure that it exists. I'm sure if we to have this conversations with people from other uh, faith backgrounds, we can see that as well. But in a Christian sense, what I started to realize is that whatever the in many cases, though, what is acceptable amongst white culture becomes 
what is holy and good. And the problem with that that I learned is there's so many culturally many of us live different lives, you know, black, white, whatever you are, whatever your your background is, even within the black community, we have different cultures depending on, you know, what region you come from or, you know, your family might have some things that you guys do. And that's just that add up and make up like, you know, your culture. And we're so different and so diverse. In that. And I've started to realize a lot of people become turned off uh, from faith and from being a part of religious organizations, not necessarily because they don't believe, but they don't feel like they don't feel comfortable enough to fit in because they're kind of being forced to conform to a cultural standard that is not their own. And then in that, there is no acknowledgement or no place or no space for that person's unique and individual culture or the culture that they come from. And that becomes problematic. And I think that you know, again, I've seen that I've seen it happen and I experienced it myself um, for so long. I didn't I didn't tie my blackness and the the need to stand up for my blackness and defend my blackness and represent my blackness every day. Like I would do that in, you know, I don't know, my around with my friends or in my service to in, in servicing organizations like I would lead with that. But when it came to my soul and my faith and my beliefs, I didn't lead with that. And I just kind of thought that the two weren't supposed to be married um, because it was like, you know, God is more of a like, hey, let's be universal and let's just be uh let's kind of like ignore our differences and just focus on the fact that we all love Jesus but it's like in my day-to-day life I have to deal with my my differences and that's that's just the reality of what it is and so I had to learn and I'm still on a process to be 100% honest like I'm still on a process of learning that and knowing that and accepting that and allowing myself you know the freedom to be a hundred percent black and to be a hundred percent a Christian and to believe what I believe, you know what I'm saying? And still Mm -hmm. understand the importance of standing up for my blackness and knowing that if somebody does something that's different from me culturally, it's not that they're a horrible or bad person. It simply is just that they're just different. You know what I'm saying? Like their cultural Mm -hmm. norms are different and that's okay. And I think that we can, uh, we can acknowledge those and walk in those things without it being a problem. Um, So for sure. Absolutely. I I think that is, I think that we've all to whatever degree um, have definitely seen, especially as black people. And I mean, of course we're black, so we can talk about it from a black uh, perspective, being black people and also being from Jacksonville, Florida, which is extremely conservative. Um, yeah, when you and being in spaces where you just are one of the only, only black people. I was in a real life right. get out of yeah. recently. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a Christian setting, and I was the only black person. Um, and well, there was black people there, but they were more so the help. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I went in there. I was like, this is like get out. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like so frustrated because I'm like the cultural norms sometimes in conservative evangelical settings are this whole idea of blackness is synonymous with inner city or Chicago or being what poor, they see on TV. Violent. And just, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, so I was introduced to one of the people there as 
a person who had an organization, Christian organization, specifically for the African-American context. And he was like, oh, that's so good because we really got to do something about these inner cities. Yeah. And I'm like, what What are we talking about? How do we get there? Like, <laughs> Where did that come from? That's not my specialty. Nobody ever mentioned that as a part of my specialty. I just said African-American people. That So African-American, in your mind, is, is synonymous with poor inner city hood like yeah what what are we doing and it's and then you know this whole idea of well you know it's some smart people he continue it's some smart people in the inner city they just got to be saved like is salvation and economics synonymous like what does that right. even mean and so when we talk about this hijacking of whiteness being the norm it seems like middle class whiteness is the norm and everybody has to come up to that standard in order to meet this salvation perspective right um and which is really problematic because it leaves other people marginalized in faith communities um because they don't fit in that in that in that um in that box and honestly white middle class looks different than black middle class on levels because they've had generations sometimes of wealth so our middle class may look different than theirs so even our black middle class sometimes feel marginalized by their middle class because they're kind of on different levels because of generational wealth. It's 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 also deceptive in the sense that it kind of creates this this thought process of always working to something greater or to have more in terms of wealth, in terms of money. And so you start to think that the 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 fruits of you being a good person or the fruits of you being, you know, you know, connected to God and, and on the right path and on the path that God has for you is, you know, how much stuff you have, how much wealth you have, what your bank account says, how many stocks you have, you know, where your home's located, uh, what what school your children are going to. It's it's associated with all these things that are that are capitalistic. And that's really has nothing to do with faith. Um but it it's it's directly tied to to your wealth, your wealth and in, in your your the evidence of your faith in this space in what is the the American white norm is on the on the broad on the broad scale. And and, and when I say this, I'm saying this from the standpoint of not to make it seem like every um every, you know, predominantly white faith base is going to think this way because this, I know people that don't think this way. Um, but on on the, the broader, larger scale, those two are really tied together. And then what we do, and I've mentioned, I mentioned this to you before, what we do as, as black people, because that is the standard and because that's what we accept, then as black people, even in our churches, we start to kind of adopt that same, yeah adopt mm-hmm. that and perpetuate that same type idea and so our the evidence of our our faith is become success if you're somebody that you know has a good job or maybe you're a business owner or you know you're an entrepreneur and you're 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 doing well you you look good you dress good you're able to travel you can you know pay you can contribute and donate to the church and and do all of these things people really start to look at you as somebody that has it all together 
in life and then has it all together in a spiritual sense um, or even just, you know, in an emotional sense in every way. It's like, oh, you got it all together. And so we miss the mark of allowing people to get the help that they need, allowing people to feel included because they're always striving to stay on top and to stay at that level in which that's not what our church is supposed to be about. That's not what our faith isn't supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be about, you know, obtaining all these riches so we can just, you know, have or obtaining all these riches so that I can just like contribute it to everybody else. Like that's not what it's, that's not what it's about. And that's not what it's for. And I feel like we in turn get lost in that because we don't realize how this capitalistic, you know, whiteness, if you will, has made us, has put us in that place to believe that, to put us in a place to kind of look at things that are ours and to be so critical of it. Um, I mentioned this to you as well from the standpoint of, you know, looking at the way that we view the secular world as black people versus the way that we view the secular world as white people, oftentimes Mm -hmm. based on, you know, this idea of what is good and bad and what is acceptable or not, we will look at a secular white artist. Let's say somebody that sings country music and country music, country music is, is very, can be very like, you know, Christian and Jesus and church. And, you know, that's a part of it, but there are certain things in some country songs that aren't about that. And they don't, they don't, they might not be hardcore raunchy and bad. They just aren't about like, you know, bring it to the church house and sing Jesus name. Like they're not about that in a black, in the black community, in the black space. And I'll speak for myself growing up, anything that wasn't about praising God was secular and was bad. And so for me, it's like, I'm looking at all of these, I'm being trained to look at everybody that is not in a church space as demonic, as a part of the Illuminati, as horrible people as people that you know aren't making it or shouldn't are doing just creating like horrible art and you know how could you watch this movie about this how could you watch this movie about that whereas their white counterparts are also creating maybe not the same exact type of art but they're also creating secular art and in their their religious space they can be accepted they're loved they're viewed as they can get the umbrella of oh well you know it's just because they are they're expressing themselves and it's art and it's okay for them to do that but every time somebody that looks like me comes up with art similar or in the same way in the same genre we view them as being demonic and evil and that to me comes from this same sense of this is what it means to be what it means to be saved, what it means to be pure, what it means to be, you know, spiritual and all things good are tied to what it means to be white and what it means to enjoy whiteness in this country. And because those two exist and are tied and married together and we're trying to fight those things, we in turn start to push back and demonize the things that we should be celebrating in ourselves because those are the things that liberate us. The art of, we think about when hip hop started, hip hop in itself was very conscious. It was about speaking about the injustices that happened that people saw in their community. It was a way of self-expression and people expressing themselves and people saying like, Hey, here's what I'm going through. And here's what I dream of. You know, I'm doing this and I'm able to make money off of this and then I'm taking this and I'm pouring that back into my community in a positive way. Now, did you have people that, you know, were 
uh, we're, we're trying to pimp it out and do bad things with it. Of course, but we have that in every, every space and every genre. But if we look at what it was started from, it was a conscious movement to ways to raise black awareness of and black consciousness of the things that we do have for as long as I can remember as a kid, we demonized that as being bad still to this day. It's so horrible. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. But we look at things like, you know, rock and roll or heavy metal. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, oh, well, they're just expressing themselves through art. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. How come they can express themselves through art? And we can't <laughs> like, how do they get the, the the ability or the freedom or the okay, if you will, in a general in in the general sense to to express themselves in that way? But our artists are just horrible and bad. Like I just I don't I don't get it. And I think that's a good point you brought up that I never even thought of before. In 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 white spaces, country is neutral. Yeah. Like it's a neutral art form, and then in black circles we don't have a neutral art form yeah because even R- either, r&b is is bad that's that's a good perspective i've never thought of that yeah that is a even r&b even you think about our r&b music our soul music back in the day when things were not if we compare like you know the music of today to the time of like the blues music Blues music was bad. Blues music usually didn't typically didn't have hardcore curse words. They weren't talking about sexual positions like they were. You know, it was more so about being in love and how you feel about somebody. But we view that as horrible and bad and you can't do it. And oh, my gosh, I can't believe you out there singing the blues like don't sing the blues like. I remember my uh, mom telling me that my great grandma would always say, you know, at some point in time, you got to let the blues go and you got to find Jesus. And it's like because it's so bad and it's so horrible, we can't do that. But in this whole in this other space in in this other community, they have I'm talking about they can listen to country music from the time that they're born to the time that they die and probably play it at their funeral. Like they they literally feel like. You know, it's okay. This is, you know, this is art. This is self-expression. And so they have all of these representations of themselves in a positive sense in in, in religious spaces and secular spaces, you know, in business and all of these places. And when we try to create those same types of things that we think about what art does and the power of art um, and how art really has the ability to allow you normalize your life normalize your image normalize your look right we see certain things i think about you think about like the image of a woman right black women are naturally just more shapely than any other type of woman and Mm -hmm. so back in the day black women were we as black men we celebrated black women but the, the the larger world really didn't celebrate black women beyond the the, the point of over sexualizing them. But we didn't they didn't say like, oh, you know, a black woman in a pencil skirt, you know, she looks good. That's attractive. It it, it was more like, you know, she kind of cheapens it. She makes it look bad because the 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 common image of beauty in society was a very thin white woman without hips without you know a behind or breast or anything like that just very thin and make i think they kind of always like breast but it was just like in terms of the rest of her body was very like straight up and down just thin well as they started to get as black women started to become more popular and shapeliness started to become more popular 
now that is like the thing and that's okay. And it's accepted because they saw that be represented in their, in in their community. Somebody came out and represented in their community as a shapely white woman. And now it's okay. And they feel okay. Looking that way, being that way, you see thicker women just in general, feel more comfortable about their bodies and more confident in themselves. Well, again, we didn't have that. We've robbed ourselves in so many cases. Um, the, the world in itself has robbed us and our women from seeing ourselves be normalized, seeing, you know, a shapely woman or a thicker woman or a thicker man in general just be accepted because of that. We don't we can't have we can't feel good about that self. So when we try to create these spaces in which we do that, we end up demonizing them. We end up saying it's inadequate or it's cheap or, you know, it's too much or they're trying too hard. And then when our white counterparts takes it and makes it normal in our community, then we're trying to fight to catch up to it and say, oh, no, this is OK. And it's like we got to be mindful and cognizant of that. We have to say like you can say, hey, I disagree with, you know, Songs that have this type of language in it or songs that talk about these types of topics, but it all is not demonic. It all is not horrible because we see the success of another group of people. We see how another group of people are able to get ahead because they have so many positive images of themselves that they're not in a larger sense. They're not calling the devil or demonic or trying to, you know, devalue it. And we consistently do that. So we just got to be mindful of it. And I think it helps us like understanding this and how we do this in our culture as African-Americans helps us see the hypocrisy in it. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and it shows us our blind spot. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, it's needful that we, you know, look at these, these norms and say, you know, is this something we do because it is consistent with the scripture we say we believe in and hold authority? Or is this just something that we have adopted because of tradition? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And sometimes those are two different things. And sometimes we're making mountains out of mohills and things that, you know, the Bible might not even be talking about. And we didn't build whole uh, teachings around yeah, um, it just that have been detrimental. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think one of the, you know, I think when we think about things like even politics and to going into this, I was I did a Q&A and I was lecturing and a, and a question was asked to me, um, you know, is it Christian to take a different political, you know, one political side of it, the other? And even that question, I think, comes from the whole uh, white norm. Yep. Um, to suggest that, you know, you have to pick a position. And if you pick a position right or left, it's based on your convictions. Yeah. Um, and I, my answer was, you know, neither one of the parties represent the Bible to 100 percent. So either way, you're going to be picking one thing over another. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So because of that, I don't think it matters. Like you choose what you want. I don't yeah. think there's, I mean, I don't think Jesus would be Democrat or Republican. So, I mean, yeah, you know, one's not more. And, and that's another thing. Again, we talk about when in talking about the positive images of, you know, white people in multiple spaces, you think about politics, right? And you think about how 
there's this narrative in the conservative movement that being a conservative is more tied to, uh, you know, being a Christian and, and or just being a, a all around, you know, moral person. Um, there's this idea that, you know, the Democratic Party or being more liberal, you don't have any values. You don't have any morals that you stand on. You just kind of accept any and everything. And that is the narrative that's pushed forward. And so you have people that are able to look at other folks in this party and say, well, you know, it's okay for them to uh, not care about somebody's body or somebody's well-being or somebody's ability to eat or have housing or things like that in in this extremely wealthy and affluent nation, it's okay for them to not care about those people and those people serve as not to be a thing because as long as they don't abort their child. Exactly. Because they are, you know, they're, they're, they're more moral. And I won't even say, you know, because, you know, we live in a country where not everybody's a Christian. So just in terms of morals, we, you people look at that, people look at the conservative movement as a more, a more moral movement without, acknowledging or even seeing the ways of which they don't their morals towards people that don't have the financial success or the, the money that they have is not the same people don't view it that people don't look at it that way because they that, that's what that's the narrative the narrative that's out there and so when we have and again not all black people are in a part of the democratic party but when you have another group of people that are saying hey like no I think that it's okay that I'm concerned with this person's body. I think I'm okay with this person's right to decide what they do with themselves. I'm not saying that I'm doing it. I'm not even saying that, you know, I would do that. I'm just saying that I think that here's a person's, here's what everyone should have a right to do. And we should allow this person to make this decision, whatever it is. And that be considered like, oh, well, that's so bad and that's so horrible. And we start to even within ourselves, look at people as less than and we don't give rise or give the ability for somebody to be, you know, principled and moral and still considerate of other people. Like those those three can't really exist together because it has to be that, you know, this person is principled and moral and they're just they're just very hard and they just don't really care about other people and they just push them to the side. And, you know, if they if this person gets stepped on or gets overlooked or goes without, well, that's just because of, you know, their own manifest destiny or something that they were going to have to deal with anyway. And that's something that's beyond what we have to consider. God forbid we like stop giving the tax credit to this business and saying like, Hey, let's expand this community, this community education program. Let's make sure that these people have a more of an opportunity to get quality education. Then this business has the opportunity to get a credit to hopefully possibly create some jobs. Like if, if that happens, we people, we aren't going to view those people as, Oh, well, you know, that's a waste of time. That's just not something that should happen. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, tell us what y'all think about this conversation. Do y'all think that whiteness in some ways has hijacked our thoughts about faith and morality in the United States? Hit us up with hashtag ChatBC on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and we would love to interact with you. We'll be right back with our toast or roast. (laughs) 
All right, and we are back with our toast or roast, and I'm going to kick it off this week. Um, this week, I am going to do a toast to the uh, a podcast that I just started listening to. Um, it's actually, it's a podcast, but it's a story. It's called Bronzeville, um, and it stars Lorenz Tate and Lawrence Fishburne, and there's a few other people in there, um, but it's it's 10 episodes. It's only on episode eight. Um I'm I'm only on like episode I'm almost done with episode two, but it really is just a story. It takes me back to the time of like, I don't know. Did, uh, did you listen to the Tom Joyner morning show when you were a kid? Yeah, I used to listen. Not a little kid because my parents didn't listen to that. They oh, okay. listen to all gospel. So gotcha. when I became in college, so when they, I got my own car. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so back in the day, they used to have like a it was like a soap opera radio show right and so it was literally like you were just listening to a show through the radio and that's what bronzeville is like it takes me back to those times of listening to like stories or i don't know if you have they used to have like i guess kind of audiobooks before they were audiobooks so it basically would be like telling a story with like actors and the only thing you do is you hear their voices so you hear multiple voices and um you hear it's a different voice for a different character and things like that but it's literally telling a story um, and you're hearing the whole show is like imagining watching like scandal, but you're hearing it as opposed to seeing it. Mm-hmm. And Bronzeville is that way. And it, it just kind of takes me back to that time of like being a little kid. And I remember like, you know, uh, Tom's on the morning show used to play kind of like the old school hits or like it was cool if kids listen to that. Um, mm-hmm. And so they used to play that. And I remember like sometimes being on the way to school, like driving to school or like a Saturday morning, just driving around somewhere and listening to it and being really into it because I didn't really understand everything that was going on. But I knew that it was a story that was being told. And I like to hear people's voices and like try to, you know, remember this character's name and be like, oh, what happened? And cliffhangers and stuff like that. So that's what Bronzeville is. And it's actually about. um uh, I think it's a city in Chicago um, that was this affluent uh, black area and, of called Bronzeville. And so the story is about that. And it kind of, you know, it's different things that are going on in there. So it's really dope. I, I love it. Um, it's, it's set in the 1940s. So it's it's just really dope. If you guys haven't heard it, haven't heard about it, they actually have a Twitter page. I'm sorry, Instagram page. I keep saying Twitter. They have an Instagram page. It's Bronzeville. And the podcast, you can find it. Um, it is spelled bronze, like the color bronze um, or the metal bronze, B-R-O-N-Z-E-V-I-L-L. So Bronze and Ville put together. It's a podcast. Check it out. Listen to it. It's I like it so far. Um, again, I'm only on like almost done with episode two, so I haven't really gotten to like the meat potatoes of it. But it's good so far. Check it out. And y'all let me know what you think. That's dope. I'll have to check it out. I want to toast this week to the quad and BT. I've yes. toasted to them before, but I watched <laughs> the season finale. And you know I'm a Greenleaf fan. But I got so stuck on the quad. Wait, Both last of them night come was on the season finale? Yeah. Crap. I saw last night, but I didn't know it was a season finale. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm Weren't you like disappointed? I was like, wait, I want more. Like <laughs> want Don't do this more. to me, y'all. Yeah. I want more. So, yeah, last night, and I'm just, shout out to BET for bringing um, good TV back, because it, it was a little interesting for a while on BET. Yeah. I was really pleased with the quad. They really did well, and I, I want to salute them. The show was amazing. How they ended it was amazing, 
I just I was impressed and I love the show and I can't wait for season two. I hope we don't have to wait too long because um, I don't feel like it was a lot of episodes. Yeah, I think that this is probably just a pilot season. I haven't heard that it got renewed yet, though. So hopefully it gets. Oh, renewed. yeah. I don't know if it I haven't heard that it, it has gotten renewed. So oh, if it don't get renewed, I'm going to be so upset. Very upset. Pretty disappointed. Y'all can just. Yeah. So shout out to the choir. I really, really enjoyed it. And BT, you did a good job. And I wanted to have you seen Rebel? I haven't seen Rebel, but I saw I was seeing the clips during the quiet last night, and I was like, okay, I got to start watching this. I, it should be on the BT app, so I think I'm gonna start watching it too. So I got to go back and look at Greenleaf, but I was like, you know, I'm not gonna miss the season finale of the quiet. I could catch Greenleaf um, another time on demand. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're gonna leave you with today's good vibe. Today's good vibe is from Dave Ramsey. It says, "Few things make people broke as quickly as trying to appear rich when they aren't at your wage." At your wage. Don't spend more than you make, folks. And it's hard. Don't try to impress people that <laughs> aren't worth it. Or try to impress yourself, thinking that you got it. Because I, yeah, to be very transparent, I've been looking at my finances and like we got to make some changes, bro. <laughs> we got to. <laughs> you like I've been spending way too much. Way too much. Hey, even when you think you're spending too much, you're still conservative. She, she sounds like know. my sister. That's what my that's what my sister said. My sister yeah, was like, "Get out of here." <laughs> There's some people out here, you just be like, why did you do that? Like, it's a whole nother level. I don't think you're there. I think you might just be harder on yourself as far as that. But I don't think you're out here wilding. Well, thank you. I I try not to wild, but I can do a lot better. Yeah, I looked at my budget and I was like, oh, yeah. So I haven't really been following this for a little while. (laughs) Yeah, I can do a whole heck of a lot better, especially with these student loan payments. Whole other story. Oh, ain't that the devil? The absolute devil. If you want to call anything the devil, that's what we need to be calling the devil, these student loans. This whole concept of having to pay him back is just not godly at all. I just, like, if Donald Trump get rid of that, I could call him president. Look here. What you want to do? What? How, how many more years you want to be in there? I got you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, what you need? <laughs> I can call you president. You take care of those student loans. <laughs> I know he he about ain't gonna do nothing about that anyway. Yeah, nah, nah, because his kids ain't got no. They don't even know what a loan is. Not one no. for education. It ain't happening. <laughs> well, all right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Brunch Culture. As always, you can catch all our past episodes at brunchculturebc.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, iHeartRadio. Stitcher, Google Play by searching Brunch Culture. You can um, follow us on Twitter at Brunch Culture on Instagram at Brunch underscore Culture on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Brunch Culture. And remember here at Brunch Culture, everything is up for discussion. 